So I'm going to read, uh, we've been doing, uh, we've been following the lectionary, first time we've ever done that, the lectionary readings uh, throughout the year. Uh, we're in a series on uh, 1 Corinthians, and uh, so far we've been talking about the spiritual gifts and the, that chapter on love, uh, Corinthians 12, we did two weeks on chapter 12 and one week on chapter 13, and here it skips, it skips into the next section, which is chapter 15, which talks about the resurrection, except that... Uh, in this section, Paul talks about his calling as an apostle. And the reading from Isaiah is about the call of Isaiah. And the reading in Luke is about the call of the disciples. So what we're going to do is we're going to return to 1 Corinthians next week. We're going to jump over to the call of the disciples. They all have a similar theme anyway. Um, and we'll spend some time in Luke 5. But I do want to read uh, 1 Corinthians 15 uh, this morning. Paul writes, uh, let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news that I preached to you before you welcomed it, um, that I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you will uh, still stand firm in it. Uh, it is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. Paul, he's so fun, isn't he? Oh, yeah. Uh, I pass on to you what was most important and what had been also pleasing. I'm sorry, everyone. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, Amen. just as the scripture said. He was buried. He was raised from the dead on the third day just as the scripture said. Amen. He was seen by Peter, then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have passed away. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it's all because God poured out his special favor on me. Amen. And not without results, for I've worked harder than the other apostles. Yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. Amen. So it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach, for we all preach the same message you have been or that you have already believed. That's a reading from 1 Corinthians. He will go on. We'll return to Corinthians next week. Um, more depth uh, and study. So we're going uh, to do something a little bit different this morning. Um, <clears throat> we've done different things in the past. One time, I think we sat in silence for the whole sermon. We just scrolled up a passage. And that was really uncomfortable for a lot of people to be quiet for that long. And we, I think we read a passage out of Ephesians 3, that incredible prayer that we see in Ephesians. Um, there was another time, uh, I think the sermon was on community, and we, we stopped halfway through. It was like a 10-minute sermon. We all went out and hung out in the lobby uh, to practice community. Um, so every once in a while, we do something different. We haven't done something different in a while. Uh, but we're going to do something a little bit uh, different uh, today. Um, we're going to uh, read this passage from Luke and try to imagine it, try to experience it, rather than me teach on it. So it's interesting when you have these callings of the disciples um, that in Matthew and Mark, 
you have this really short, you know, uh, Jesus says, follow me, and they drop everything to follow him. There's not much of a story to it at all. This, there's more going on in the, in the Gospel of John and in the Gospel of Luke, as we're going to see. But what's interesting is that it doesn't really focus on what Jesus is teaching. It focuses on the experience and the interaction that they have with Jesus. Um, and so instead of teaching about Jesus this morning, I want us to imagine this scene. And this is something that goes way back in uh, Christian practice, um, cont uh, contemplative, uh, sort of imaginative reading of Scripture. Um, and the idea is to imagine ourselves in the story. I'm going to try to help facilitate that. And to notice what we notice. In other words, if through the whole time you're rather agitated about something, maybe something at work or something at home keeps uh, invading your space, uh, perhaps that's something that we should pay some attention to. Maybe there's a detail in the story uh, that um, jumps out at you, something that you've never really noticed before. Maybe it's something that uh, seems odd or seems out of uh, the mainstream of what uh, the Luke is trying to tell us. That's okay. That's okay. It's a time to imagine, a time to feel the emotions during this uh, practice. Um, we, in North Harbor, we talk a lot about connect, learn, and practice. That if we do these things, uh, then there's some transformation that will happen. And I think typically uh, the evangelical church is pretty heavy on the learn and the practice, the learning information about Jesus and doing for Jesus that sometimes... Uh, we let the connecting with Jesus fall by the wayside. And it comes down to quiet time, right? Checking that off our list. Um, but there's many uh, streams of uh, Christian thought and tradition that are very rich. And one of them uh, comes to us heavily from um, uh, Ignatian spirituality and this idea of imagining ourselves in the story and experiencing uh, what is going on. Um, <clears throat> So that's what we're going to try to do uh, today. Um, I think this sort of experiencing of Jesus can bring up uh, things that are deep within us, um, are perhaps things we need to deal with, uh, maybe, maybe not, or maybe the joys that we have and noticing those things. But the point is that oftentimes we try to avoid our emotions, and God made us with emotions. Those are very important. When we read about God uh, in the Hebrew Bible, in the Christian Bible, we read a God with emotions. Amen. And so we need to be in tune with those as well. Um, <clears throat> and like I said, even in this passage, as we read about Peter making that incredible decision to follow Jesus, we don't, we don't hear anything about what Jesus is actually teaching the crowd. We don't know what the teaching is. I'm going to guess it has something to do with God and God's <laughs> kingdom. But outside of that, there's, no, there's not many details. And so that tells us something, I think, very powerful about uh, experiencing the person of Christ, not just uh, the teachings. So this passage unfolds in about three different movements. And uh, we'll take each one in turn. Um, <clears throat> And there's going to be, I'm going to ask some rhetorical questions. Uh, those are rhetorical. We don't need uh, verbal responses. We want to kind of keep it quiet for people to think about these questions. Um, <clears throat> we're going to focus on Peter's experience. Um, but if that seems alien to you or foreign to you, that's okay. Go where your imagination takes you in this passage. 
Um, don't rush the story. Um, I'll try to lead us through it. Um, allow yourself to search and to feel uh, what you're thinking uh, during this time. Um, <clears throat> and uh, sometimes, I know my, my kids, we have uh, a sick kiddo this morning, so uh, they're home. Uh, I know that they will color sometimes. I think they're just ignoring me in my sermons, but they're actually coloring, and that's their way of focusing. So whether it's staring at the floor, whether it's closing our eyes, another thing I thought is we can light a candle, maybe it's looking at the candle. I don't know, what is it about fire and all yeah. that? Fire and waves, right? You just can't stop looking at them. Um, if that helps, uh, whatever it is to focus on, then we'll, we'll do that. So I'm going to read this through in its entirety once. And then um, I'm going to try to guide us in imagining this story. <clears throat> this is an amazing story. Um, Where are we at? Luke 5, 1 to 11. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. For the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out to where it is deeper and let, your nets, let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night. And didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, O oh Lord, Please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they caught, as were the others with him. His partners James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything. And follow Jesus. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll um, enter into the story with a bit more color and imagination. God, <clears throat> everyone is invited to your table. The invitation goes out to all, regardless of gender, ethnicity, social status, wealth, um, nation. The invitation goes out to all of us. That you are pursuing us. That you're leaving other things that seem important to invite us, to chase us down, to find us, to see us. I pray by the power of your spirit this morning that you would help us to enter into this story, that we would take a break this one Sunday from a typical sermon looking at the information of the passage that we would enter into the passage 
that we would imagine ourselves as Peter or the other disciples or one in the crowd. Maybe we feel what it's like to be you in this story. But we pray, I pray that our hearts and our minds would be open, that your spirit would be present. We know your spirit is here. Uh, I pray that we would be open to it. Lead and guide and reveal. Um, reveal what you would have for us this morning. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so let's, uh, let's walk through this. Notice what you notice as we go through this. So it's a sunny day on this particular day in this town on the edge of the Sea of Galilee. Perhaps it's a Friday morning and there's a lot of energy on this shore because people are shopping. There's an open-air market for fish and other products. Uh, the Sabbath is coming later tonight where it's a time of rest. It's a time to celebrate um, God's work in creation. And there's a buzz about the place. <clears throat> the bow of the boat is pulled up onto the shore. It's kind of a pebbly shore. And you can hear the water. You hear the din of the crowd. There's a slight breeze and it's sunny out. It's not cold, it's not hot. But the sun is warm on your back and you are working. You're repairing nets, untangling nets. And there has been very little fish caught the night before. You may feel Anxiety about that. You may fear, you may fear livelihood. It may just be another day, and this is typical. It's not a big catch today, maybe tomorrow. Now, are you feeling tired? Are you feeling weary? Are you looking forward to the meal tonight? Maybe you just want to take a nap. Maybe um, the energy in that area just outside of town, and the energy anticipating the Sabbath meal tonight is something that's energizing you, even though you've been out all night. There's more energy in the crowd, and they seem to be coming your way, more people. You wonder if you're going to have to tell people you have no fish to sell, or that you have very little to go around, but you realize that the energy is, is different. But they all seem to be gathered around this person. Uh, they're listening to him. And you could feel the energy coming this way towards you. 
You're still working on your nets. The crowd gets right in front of you. And this person's right on the shore. And you realize that this is uh, an itinerant rabbi who travels from town to town. You've, maybe you've heard of his name. Maybe you're excited to hear what he has to say. But there's definitely a lot of energy and people are just um, leaning in to listen. And as you work there, he turns toward you. And you kind of wonder, what's next? What's going to happen? Maybe you look behind you, see if he's looking at someone else. But he asked to get in your boat. And it's a question, sort of. He steps in the boat, but is also asking. How do you feel about that? He's now indebted to you for a favor, this person. And you agree, and you push out so he can get a little bit more room and distance. The nets are in the bow. You are in the bow, and you throw a heavy rock tied to it with a rope over the front so the boat doesn't drift. Your back is towards the crowd on the shore. And in the back of your boat, you're sitting in the bow working on the nets, is this person, Jesus, who is teaching. And you don't remember exactly what he was teaching. How do you feel? What are you looking for? What are you hoping for? And once again, how do you feel about him being in your boat? You feel honored? Do you feel put out? It seems that he's done teaching and he turns to you and he says, Go out to where it's deeper and throw down your nets. He calls you by name. You don't recall sharing your name with him. But he calls you by name. He says, put out into the deep. Go out where it's deeper. And what does that mean for you, to go out where it's deeper? You push back a little bit, thinking that you were already deeper earlier this morning, late last night. It didn't yield anything. So how do you feel now? What does deeper mean for you? Do you go out begrudgingly, 
with anticipation, with hope. You do what he asks. And you're struggling to pull that net in. And perhaps you don't know why yet. Maybe everything's still below the surface. Again, is it anticipation? Is it disbelief? Do you get snagged on a root underneath a tree stump or something? But you're working, you're straining, you're pulling, and you're sweating. And with a day that seemed just about perfect, now you feel a bit warm. And you're beginning to sweat as you try to pull this net in. Maybe you're wondering why he's not helping out at all. <laughs> but uh, maybe that's because he wants you to experience something. Maybe it's because he knows you need to experience something. Yeah. So what are you experiencing now? You do realize it's fish. And it's lots of fish. You realize that this is something that is specifically related to you and your profession and your identity. That there's this enormous uh, discovery, an enormous gift. And it specifically relates to you. The boat is rocking a bit. And perhaps you've forgotten about your friends on the shore. Maybe you don't know if they're seeing what you're seeing, but you realize that there's help. There's another boat. And so you call for them. And now other people are joining you in this struggle with blessing, the struggle with this overflow, more than you imagined, more than you hoped for. The other boat pulls up, and now you have at least two others, maybe more, trying to haul in this fish. And you're worried about tipping. Now the blessing is calling, causing you a bit of anxiety. Are we going to tip over? The water is right near the rim of the boats. Any more, and you're going under. What is Jesus doing during this time? Now, after all this activity, There's this realization. Something's opening up in your heart. Something's opening up in your mind. And you, real, you realize something very profound about the person in your boat, about Jesus. 
What is it? What is it that you realize? What is it that you feel towards this person? Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's gratitude. Maybe it's just being overwhelmed. In some way, shape, or form, you feel like you're in the presence of someone who is um, great in different ways than you have ever thought of, different categories than you have ever thought of before. And you feel very small. Maybe you feel shame. Maybe you feel wounded or broken. Maybe you feel this great sense of love. Maybe you feel great safety, the kind that you've never felt before. And others, you can tell, are feeling the same way. The others that came out with you. You're not sure if everyone on the... on the shore understands it like you have understood it. But the people with you hauling in that fish, they all are amazed in some way, shape, or form. What does that amazement feel like for you? You've changed somehow with this encounter. At this point, you're Simon Peter, not just Simon. Something has changed. Something at your core has changed. There's a sense in which you want some distance from this person, and you want to be close at the same time. And his first words to you, outside of asking you to push out into the deep, is don't be afraid. He says, from now on, you'll be catching and saving or delivering people, is the sense here, is what he says. And what does that mean? Is that the same experience you had? You get to bring to others? You get a company of him on? What are we afraid of? When you get to the shore... You realize that it's really not about the fish. There's this great gift, a material gift that's been given to you. But you're ready to leave it all behind because it's really not about that. 
That was just his way of showing you something bigger. The fish, wherever you were before, whatever that is for you, it doesn't really matter at this point. You just want to be with Jesus. God, in this passage, we don't know what Jesus was teaching. We see what he does. We see how he interacts. We see how he challenges us. God, beyond these walls and within these walls, there's lots of hurt. There's lots of wounds. There's lots of celebrations and joy and success. Um, there's lots of feelings of unworthiness, and there's lots of uh, confidence in the skills that you have given us. There's so much. Help us to connect with you. Help us to continue to learn, to continue to practice, but help us to connect in ways that are powerful, in ways that engage our emotions and our mind, our hearts, our soul, our spirit. Help us to hear the call to push out into the deep. Help us to hear the reaffirming words that we do not need to be afraid. I pray that this story would come alive for everyone here and would leave a lasting impression, a lasting mark that you and your spirit would bring up um, throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the year. As we continue to heed your call. I pray in Jesus' name. This is my prayer. We're going to listen to, we're going to read one more call here this morning. The call of Isaiah. And then um, Graham and Danielle will come up to serve communion. Communion is also an invitation to come to Jesus. Amen. In a very crude sense, to feed on Jesus. Um, <clears throat> that call is always there. Always there. In Isaiah 6, it says, It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed. For I'm a sinful person. I have filthy lips. And I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet... I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies.
Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, Here I am. Send me. I hope that we've experienced the word this morning. Paul, when he's writing to Timothy, calls it the breath of God, the Spirit of God. Isaiah, in another passage, claims that as this word goes out, it will not come back without meaning. Genesis claims that the Spirit of God hovers over the surface of chaos and brings order to it. And John claims that the word is Jesus. Amen. Right? So my hope and my prayer is that we have noticed something, that some, we felt something in that experience. And we will get back to regular sermons next week. But this is good to do every once in a while. It's a practice we don't do very often. And I would challenge you, uh, I guess, to go back and read this same one. Maybe read the passage out of John. Maybe go back to Isaiah and read these calling, the calling of Moses, the calling of Jeremiah, the calling of Abraham. Go to a place I will show you. Yes, give me more detail. Nope, that's it. <laughs> Go to a place I will show you. Leave your father's house. That's push out into the deep. That's what that is. Go back and read a calling and see how God is challenging you um, and loving you and pursuing you in that.